Hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I'm Jamie Finch-Penninger and I'm joined, as always, from now on, by Kate Perry from Specialised Racing. Hi, everybody. <laughs> and Neil Vanderplug from Avanti ISO Way. Hello. I'm very excited to be here with these two distinguished racers. Just, um, slightly in stage shock, actually, with their impressive resumes, but I'll, I'll struggle on. We'll do, a, we'll do a quick intro. Um, I'm Jamie Finch-Penninger. I'm a cycling journalist. I've really enjoyed my experience so far, and I'm looking to get into doing it more permanently, and this is a, a, an avenue to do that. I also cover the World Tour for SBS, and I'll be at the Summer of Racing. So if you see me, give me a shout-out and say good day. Kate, do you want to go for yourself first? Hi, everyone. I have recently joined Specialised Women's Racing um, in the female NRS scene. So I've spent the past two years racing for Total Rush Heister, and that was my introduction to the NRS series and just excited to be part of a sport that's forever growing and for women's cycling especially, the more that we can get this out there, I think the better. And if we can do this weekly wrap-up, I think that's a, a perfect start. And Neil? Hello, well, I'm Neil. I uh, I started off racing mountain bike bike quite a while ago, and I've been sort of doing more and more on the road. And currently, I'm racing for the Continental uh, team Avanti ISO Way. So, yeah, we do quite a bit of the uh, the National Road Series. Normally, we do the full season, and we also sort of dabble overseas a little bit in Asia and uh, potentially America as well next year. So, yeah, if you see me about, say hello as well. Hey, great. I didn't know about you guys heading to America. I'll count that as a scoop. Yeah, yeah so I the... think it's just a it's a plan at this stage. Like it, it looks like we might do it. Yeah, well the budget boys went over last year, didn't they? Yeah, I think um yeah, budget and a few other teams from Australia have gone over there. I think it's easier going to America with uh, everyone speaking English and that sort of thing. So yeah, probably a bit easier than heading over to sort of the uh, European sort of realm. Okay. Well I'll get down to the purpose of the podcast. Uh, we're looking to do a wrap-up of the NRS racing and Australian racing in particular, and basically we'll be looking back at the past week's um, racing and then looking forward to preview what's going to happen next week. I mean, hopefully we can give some sort of insight into what's happening with inside the peloton and give a bit more of a profile to the Australian racing scene, which, you know, deserves a bit more than it gets, I feel. Yes, I'd agree with you there, Jamie. Definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, what have you guys been up to recently? Yeah, so since Tour of Bright, which was the start of December, I've been, um, I had a, I guess, a, what you would call a reasonably light week on the bike, and then I've just been straight back into quite a big block of training at the moment, just gearing up for nationals, which is in a little over two weeks. It's always tricky, I guess, over the the festive season to try and to juggle all your commitments and whatnot. So at the moment it's just been pretty pretty structured time on the bike. And Neil? Same weekend as, as Kate, uh, while she was doing the Tour of Bright in Victoria, uh, a few of us uh, from Avanti head down to Launceston in Tasmania. We did the uh, Stan Shaker Classic. So that's a, uh, a criterium uh, that was shown live last year, actually, which was really good. They had Chris Broom and Richie Port from Sky come down last year. This year they didn't have uh, they didn't have Broom, so unfortunately it wasn't it wasn't broadcast live. But I, I think they did they did film it, so there will be a bit of a package on that race coming out. But look, a bit of a spoiler. Actually, no, no, uh, no. Let oh no, look, I got third. 
Um, and one of our other uh, teammates won, Anthony Giacoppo. So that was a really good weekend down there. It's actually a, a really fun race. They get uh, thousands of people out there watching. Uh, they changed the course up this year, which was which was pretty good. Like the last course was actually, I really enjoyed it. But this year they sort of they put a really short, sharp climb in, and for some really good uh, racing. So uh, it was, uh, yeah, a really good weekend racing. Since then, similar to Cape, uh, just uh, on the bike training up for the national championships and the other races over the summer, the Sun Tour and uh, Kurt Eleven's Great Ocean Road Race. Yeah, don't say yourself short. You won the Saturday race, didn't you? The Caness. Yeah, there was another criteria on Saturday. They uh, that was actually quite good. I can't remember what the I think it was Long Longford, I think it was called the the small town. So they uh, they yeah they sort of put two two races on. So uh, all the people who head down for it have got a couple of good races under their belt. Sunday's the big one. It was good to get the little uh, win in Longford. It was uh, yeah a very technical criteria. Yeah, it was good fun. Okay, good. And uh, Kate, might as well go over your tour of bright success. Whilst, whilst we're talking about the past? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so as Neil said, we've just uh, come off a, the big tour of Bride in Victoria, which whilst it's a VRS race, it's uh, one that's often focused on by quite a few quite a few people. Quite a few all race, really. Going, I was just going to say, it's absolutely a fierce competition at the tour of Bride. It really yeah. is, yeah. yeah especially I in think... the women's, yeah. In the women's, oh, yeah. it definitely it, it always gives us a good indication of who's travelling well leading into into start of January for both um, well not so much banquets I guess but for nationals and a lot of the the pro tour rider um, women are back back on the scene so they often have a bit of a hit out up in uh, up in the Alpine region so yeah I was fortunate enough that I uh, was successful in taking overall honours in this year's Tour of Bright last year I got second overall so. I guess you would say I definitely was targeting it coming into this year and worked pretty hard uh, to improve my TT, which I uh, was fortunate enough to win the TT on the Friday by a mere two seconds. Um, and then it was a pretty close tour. I think the overall margin at the end was on something like 49 seconds, which is pretty pretty tight given the uh, the terrain. So, yeah, look, it was a huge weekend for me, personal goals and also racing with the with the new team, which is really exciting, and I think a, a hopefully a good sign of things to come for the 2016 season. You had a ding dong battle there with uh, Lucy Kennedy and Carly Taylor to a slightly lesser extent. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, coming into the tour, I obviously knew Lucy was racing, and she's she's been very animated. I guess you would say in the last couple of NRS rounds, and she's definitely shown her prowess in uh, being able to climb. So obviously, um, she was definitely one that was going to be on the radar. And yeah, she took out stage two up to Wonga, so I guess uh, gave me a little bit of a fright, and it was a pretty pretty much a, a two two man race up Hotham. But yeah, at the same time as you said, Carly Taylor was having a strong tour and she was looking for a, for a stage win in stage three. So, yeah, it made it made it for an exciting stage, which was nice. It was uh, a race all the way to the top, which was great. Yeah, it must be great to have those world tour riders like Kylie Taylor and uh, Valentina Scandalara coming back and doing, well, not coming back for Scandalara, she means she's Italian, but to coming to the local races and bringing that high-profile element. Oh, I think so, definitely. It's a great great to have them involved and, you know, the fact that they were racing, uh, yeah, I guess a local race. It's always really exciting to have them in the, in the group and just, you know, the amount of respect that they, they carry throughout the 
throughout the peloton, but also, you know, you learn so much just from the way they carry themselves in the bunch and then off the bike as well. So it's a great experience to race against such a high caliber of, um, of athlete, definitely. Neil, do you want to talk about how the Launceston crit went down? Like inside the race, how it played out? Yeah, okay. It was a pretty aggressive sort of race, I suppose. Uh, it's There was quite a few of the uh, young Tasmanian guys out there from Dulux, particularly uh, early on. Like the Dulux boys were absolutely uh, flying off the front in the uh, opening laps. Yeah, look, I couldn't tell you exactly who was going in the attacks. There was pretty much attacks going all day. Surprisingly, it didn't split. Uh, the little climb that they put in, it looked like it, it's actually very steep at the top, like at least sort of 20%. Like it was a real sort of, you know, get the murder hoy, like, you know, you're really sort of struggling to get over the sort of the crest of it. And then it just basically went back down. So I thought it might be the course that would really sort of split up. But they sort of, at the top of the hill, they went around a roundabout in the shape of a peanut. So they called that the peanut. And uh, basically, when you went around the peanut, you got a bit of a rest. A lot of people were sort of trying to get on the front foot, expecting a break could sort of really take off, but it never really got going. I suppose the Salzburgers, Bernard and Wes Salzburger, they were both very active as well. Uh, guys like Will Clark from Drapak, he was dancing around a bit. But in the Are end, they there all was, well, yeah, look, the Salzburgers are local to the area, as is uh, Will. They're all pretty crafty riders, and uh, being in their home sort of town, they're usually, you know, very uh, animated. But look, in the end, uh, a small break of, I think, five riders end up going clear, and it had Nathan Earl from Sky, who's also a, a Tassie boy from Hobart. He went clear with Anthony Giacoppo from Avanti and a few others. That that sort of meant that most of the most of the teams were fairly sort of happy with that. And they didn't sort of chase immediately, and they, they got to a, a small gap. We sort of, in the bunch, lined up for a bit of a sprint. We, it all came together really close, actually. There was uh, Anthony Giacoppo across the line first, then there was Nathan Earl, and a couple of metres behind, I sort of came in uh, with the rest of the bunch sort of hot on the heels. So, pretty exciting race, actually. Well, it sounds like you had it covered from both ends, then, from the break and from the sprint. Yeah, as it turned out, we uh, we did. We had we certainly had uh, probably the the largest numbers down there. I think we had sort of six or seven. Yeah, our, our team was down there for a uh, a training camp, uh, preparing for the 2016 season. So, Trapak had a few guys there, but yeah, we probably had the numerical advantage there, yeah, and it worked out quite well. Yeah, did you do the super crit as well in Melbourne? Oh yeah, I did. I forgot to mention that before the uh, the super crit. That was a week later. So it was down in St Kilda, around the uh, St Kilda sort of uh, St Kilda Cycling Club homeland. They run there all the time, just near the freeway there actually. So it's a really fast flowing circuit. I think we averaged around 47, 48 k an hour. So it's it's very fast down there. And that was uh, won last year by Scott Sunderland from Budget Forklifts, and they went down uh, again this year. And they were quite clearly sort of racing for him again. So it was very difficult at those sort of speeds for a break to go. Again, there were a lot of people sort of trying quite a bit of cash for the uh, intermediate sprints. So that kept the racing pretty lively. Uh, we had a few of the Green Edge guys up there, like uh, Simon Clark and Simon Gerrans. They were sort of they were pretty aggressive going for those as well. But then at the end, it was the uh, yellow and black budget train that absolutely... Uh, were very much dedicated to getting Sunderland up for the win, which they which they did. 
he took it out again. And uh, Sen was uh, Shannon Johnson, who also races down there all the time. He's a bit of a bit of a local hero in the St Kilda Cycling Club. And then third, I think, was Jonathan Cantwell. Then Pat Shaw. Yeah, that was sort of the top four. I think fifth was actually the lead-out of uh, Sunderland, uh, Sam Whitmitz. Well, we've seen that a few times. I mean, Whitmitz has often held on for second in the NRS races leading out Sunderland, and it's no surprise that he's right up there again, I suppose. Yeah, Sammy's an interesting one like that. He, uh, he actually had a funny tour late last year where he was going in there in his usual role of, of lead-out man. I think Jesse Kerrison, he, he was their sprinter at the time, and I think he had sort of, I don't know what it was, but he got relegated for something and sort of lost a bit of time or got sick, something like that, and he, he dropped out. So they went into it thinking, yep, it was a flat tour. So they were thinking, right, overall we can get Kerrison up for the win. They had a full sort of sprint train. Kerrison dropped out for whatever reason, and then it turned out to, you know, Whitmitz was just, you know, he sort of needed to step up, and he actually won quite a few stages and won the, the tour overall, and that was the tour of Taipu Lake, a UCI 2.1, so quite a big tour, the same sort of level as the uh, Jaco Herald Sun Tour. So, yeah, Sam Whitmitz is definitely a pretty good sprinter, and he's, he's almost always in the lead-out. I think that's where he's sort of most comfortable, and I think he likes to have that sort of role of, of the lead-out person. I don't think he likes the pressure to be the last man, but... He's certainly uh, shown in that in that race there that look if he's if he's given the opportunity he can he can sort of win races as well so yeah it's it's no surprise that he can sort of at times hang on for a, a pretty good result even just doing the lead out yeah and Kate you were there at the women's as well weren't you yeah we had a a full full tell actually we had four riders in the in the women's race it's always hard backing up I guess from a, a big weekend down at Supercrit's always going to be fast and flowy, exactly the same as the men's race. Yeah, so we we had a lot, I guess, a lot to prove against the, the bigger teams. Um, we only had four riders as opposed to some of the teams that had five and six, but we, we went into it trying to be nice and aggressive and like Neil said, you know, nothing nothing got away effectively. Like you know, I found myself off the front solo a few times, but earlier in the, in the first half and then I think there was a late break that... that Got away for a bit, but again, it came down to a bunch sprint. It was pretty tight. There was always going to be, you know, the girls from, from overseas are the ones to watch, and they're the ones with the big, big powerhouses. So, um, yeah, at the end, at the end of the day, it was Scandalara that got up for the win over Chloe Hosking and then Chloe McConville. So, a great, great weekend of racing. You know, the exposure that you get again, racing with those, with those girls, as well as yeah, from um, just having the sheer numbers is fantastic, and the support being on on prime time um, just before the men is always nice. What do you think about these events being run in concert with the with the men's side? Because you see a lot of split up in the NRS season where the events aren't staged simultaneously. Um, do you prefer to? You know, uh, put the put the events together, or do you think separate is better? It's a tricky one. I think um, in terms of crowds, you you definitely get uh, more when we are running conjunction with the with the men's races. At the same time, we have had a few tours this year that have been women specific and often run with a few of the, the junior selection races. So, I guess in that respect, it's nice that we get to start later. For, for instance, you know, when it's with the men, we're off and off pretty early. You know, eight o'clock starts are a pretty regular thing with the women's peloton. But I think just raising the profile of the sport, it's it's great to see that we're now running in conjunction, particularly at nationals, running on the Sunday as opposed to the Saturday. I think that's fantastic. 
Um, it's only going to get bigger and better as we as we move forward. So I think it's exciting, and you know the infrastructure is in place to have us run run simultaneously. So why not? Well, yeah, but I mean, you get stuck on the morning, especially at nationals. I mean, you're not going to be on live TV, um, which I think is you know a travesty. But it's it's the way it is, and they're going to be showing like the last the last hour of the race, I believe. Um, yeah, look, I think um, you know we're all we're all pretty aware that that's probably going to happen. I think that the fact that we're getting the last hour is more than we've ever had before, and also they're now awarding the uh, the under twenty threes with their actual. Medals, and I'm pretty sure there's an under-23 national jersey this year um, for the women, which in the past we haven't had. So I think in that respect, yet yeah, the fact that we're the last hour is being shown, and you know we're on the same day is, is more than what we had previously. And yeah, look, early starts aren't really that big of a deal for us. I think if anything, we're used to them, so I don't I don't really see a problem there. And what what happens after you sticking around to to watch the men's, or is it onto the massage table? Oh, look, for me, um, look, I'll probably head home, to be honest. It's always a huge day and it's going to be a really early start and a, a hard couple of hours, obviously. So, look, we'll see how we go. But, yeah, I might stick around for, for the first half of the men's anyway. But, you know, that's obviously a very, very long, long race and hard-fought race. So I might even have the comfort of my own home in front of the TV for the end of it if I leave soon enough. <laughs> Okay, which brings us to Neil, the, the star, arguably, of the Australian National Champs. Um, fourth and I third. And... Don't know if there'd be too much of an argument there, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, no, there probably would be a strong argument against, but uh, let's go with it. So third last year. I mean, obviously, you, you made the right you made the right move and you've been strong enough to, to stick with the bunch, well, with the, with the main group over the climb and just Caleb Ewan at the front and you dragged him well, you dragged him back with Harmony Castler, and yeah, there was actually um, a Caleb sort of crested the hill first, but it's shortly afterwards uh, he was joined by uh, Jack Bobridge. So the two of those guys uh, are a pretty lethal sort of combination. You can't really give those guys any sort of slack. And we sort of just after the top of the hill, I think we had a group of four. So I think it was Samuel Spokes, myself, Angus Morton and Campbell Flakemore. So the four of us actually sort of started, we, like we immediately started swapping off as soon as we got to the top of that hill, knowing that those two fully committed were going to be very difficult to break uh, or bring back. Managed to get those guys back not too long after the climb sort of crested. We sort of, we would have had it within sort of five minutes, I suppose. But Heinrich was interestingly off the back. So he was, yeah, he actually got on very late. Once we caught uh, Jack and uh, Caleb, there was a lot of sort of foxing in the Nationals race last year, a lot of attacking, so there was all this sort of surging going on. And meanwhile, Heinrich was sort of back, just working his way back to us. So he only got to us sort of not too far before the finish, yeah, having sort of been dagged on the climb. So it was it was a pretty interesting little race there. He obviously had yeah some pretty good legs because he uh, yeah as you saw in the sprint he was he was real quick. Yeah, he did a good job of sort of getting back on and uh, and yeah keeping himself a pretty good sprint. Yeah, well the sprint itself was quite interesting. Um, I remember Bobridge leading out from a very long way out, and then and then Caleb Ewan jumped probably a bit too early into the headwind. I mean I can't remember whose yeah. wheel you. Were. I can't remember whose wheel you were on, but um, yeah, look, House I was, was on Caleb's wheel earlier, and then uh, House has sort of come up uh, on the side just at the right time and got it off me just before Caleb opened up. So, yeah, I was on Heinrich's wheel, but look, it, it didn't really matter anyway. Like 
I was in a fairly good position to come off Heinrich's wheel if I had the legs to do so. As you saw, didn't. So, yeah, Heinrich, he basically uh, got the timing right. I think, as you said, you're pretty much bang on the money with Caleb. I think he, yeah, he, he probably went a little bit early. But, look, if Heinrich wasn't so fast himself, it wouldn't have looked like Caleb went too early. Like, I think Heinrich was also just, you know, very, he was very quick. He had a good sprint, so small mistake can be sort of punished if you've got someone like Heinrich on your wheel. So very well-deserved win, I thought, from Heinrich. It was a great ride. And uh, Caleb's, uh, yeah, he's going to be uh, hes going to be in the thick of quite a few nationals to come. So he was pretty disappointed. But, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's only a matter of time before he'll uh, snare one himself. From the women last year, it was uh, Peter Mullins who, who took the win. Peter had a really strong campaign leading up to nationals last year and proved that she was by far the the fittest out of the, the lot of us. Yeah, look, again, it all stuck, stuck together. You know, Spratty was off the front for a while and Orica looked like they had it um, pretty well managed, but Peter was obviously riding very craftily and uh, snuck away with, with Rachel Nalen and it was just the two of them there at the end with, you know, daylight between them and the, the next bunch. Um, I think, again, leading into this year, Peter will be, be one to watch. He's obviously going to be extremely motivated defending that jersey. And uh, I think, yeah, she's a, she's a very talented talented rider. So I think it'll be an exciting race this year as well. Do you think um, Orica AIS maybe underestimated um, Peter a bit last year? I mean, they had Rachel Nalen, as you said, um, who's been there and done that, you know, a thousand times before. And do you think they were, they were happy with that? with that situation and then just kind of let it happen behind? Well, Nalen wasn't actually riding for Orica last year at the time of Nationals, so she got picked up with them uh, after Cadell's road race. So at the time, she was racing with Enswith. So I think uh, when you look back at Orica's campaign last year, I think Shara Gillo rounded out our podium. So again, that wasn't there was no Orica on the on the podium at all. So I guess if you look at it from that respect, look, they were aggressive, but in terms of uh, being crafty, again, I wasn't at the pointy end of the race. My, my job had been well and truly done by that point, so I can't really comment on, on how the race unfolded, but I think they'll probably be extra hungry this year, uh, given that, yes, they did sign uh, Rachel post-nationals, but at the time, if, yeah, if you're looking back on it, I think three three individuals effectively got up there, so that was pretty spectacular by them. Okay, and looking forward to this year, we'll go back to go back to Neil. How do you see the race playing out this year? I mean, obviously, it off it depends on what the big teams want to do. I mean, you're looking at the Oricas, Drapax, even even yourself, even yourself to an extent with Avanti. Yeah, look, I think it's it's often a, a difficult race to predict the national championships. Like, uh, there's obviously not too many races that are held before it it's it's more or less the first race where all of those guys come together like by the time you get to sort of Cadell's race you've probably got a better idea who's in who's in some good shape uh but it's always funny before the nationals you always hear uh certain riders who are going really well who are maybe targeting nationals Gerrard's is one of those sort of names that's popped up a few times I'm sort of based down near Albury so I sort of hear more whispers from Albury Melbourne sort of neck of the woods so look I don't know how the South Australians are going but Look, there's, there's certainly, um, yeah, quite a few guys who will be, like Green Edge, they're always trying to win the jersey if they can. Look, they're usually the, I think it's fair to say, they're sort of mainly the, the key players in how the race unfolds. So, look, if, if Gerrans is going really well, I think they'll probably, well, look, they probably won't go in with a, 
a, a sort of particularly one-eyed plan. I think they sort of often, uh, you know, they let it play out. So I think as we've seen with uh, Durbridge and Bobridge in the past, if Green Edge rolls someone up the up the road, they'll they'll give that person an opportunity to sort of win it from the break, sort of if they can. But they sort of need to sort of see early-ish on in the race that they're capable of doing it. If it looks like it's a bit risky and you've got some other guys who just, you know, maybe have got a really quick finish or a couple of guys who are, you know, very strong riders as well up with them, then they'll probably chase it down and, you know, back someone like Gerens. But, look, it's difficult because the break might be sort of, it might have the right combination like, like it did last year and then a small breakaway could win. But, look, that was the break that sort of went, two-thirds, three-quarters into the race. So, look, I definitely wouldn't have predicted that last year. And, look, early breaks can win on Bunning Young, like the later break can win, and it can also just come down to a, a real war of attrition and just those last few laps where the, uh, the really fit riders just absolutely blast it, which we saw a few years ago when uh, Simon Gerrans won. I think there was only about four or five who made it over the final climb, and, and they sort of fought it out. So... Look, it's yeah, it's it's anyone sort of guess how it'll play out. It's a very hard one to predict. I think weather will play uh, play quite a big part as well. Last year there was a bit of a bit of a headwind on the uh, the main climb, and that tends to sort of neutralise the uh, the climbers to a certain extent. If the if there's a tailwind, which there was the year before that, then I think we'll see a much more sort of selective race. But look, the weather is going to play a, a pretty big part. So. I've got my fingers crossed for more of a uh, a headwind, that's for sure. The tailwind up that uh, that climb makes it absolutely brutally fast. Hopefully there's a strong headwind and there's a decent-sized group at the end, but not too many. <laughs> yeah, so what, what, what goes into your race plan? I mean, you managed to pick the right move last year. I mean, what is a trigger for you um, going on the attack and joining that move? I was actually trying to get in breakaways the whole day and just uh, didn't do a very good job until that one went. And I just sort of, look, I just went with it because there was quite a few guys going and I saw some some Drapak and Green Edge go and just sort of slipped into it. And uh, look, the the numbers happened to be right. But there's sort of other people who were sort of from from our team and from other, other teams, like back in, uh, for us, would have guys like Mark O'Brien, who uh, is always quite good uh, if, it, if it is one of those more selective races. He's uh, he's been really strong in the past and done very well in the under 23 years. So guys like he will be you know absolutely firing again. Look, there might be a chance for me to sort of have another go, but we'll have to sort of wait and see, I suppose. See how everyone's form is, and and uh, yeah, wait for the sort of team plan. There may be an opportunity for me to sort of go for it, but look, uh, if if the race is looking uh, like it's uh, we've got other better options, then we'll be We'll be riding for those, so it is very much a uh, a team's race still. Yeah, well, good luck for for the race, and uh, we'll move on to Kate. Kate, how do you see this playing out? I think yeah, Neil hit the, the nail on the head there in terms of it is very much a, a team's race, and uh, in the women's peloton, we've got. Obviously, Orica are always going to be the, the biggest challenge, I guess you would say. Our race is often dictated by how they approach the race and how they race it purely because they have such a, um, a strong presence in terms of numbers and also pure strength. I think it'll be an interesting one. There's a few, we've seen quite a few surprises in the NRS series. There's a few potential outsiders that, again, if, you know, as Neil said, if the right break goes or there's the right uh, mix at the end of the end of the 10 laps, 
um, who knows what's going to happen. I think um, generally speaking with the women's, it's always who's got the legs on those last two laps, you know, who's who's been, been targeting it and who's fit purely. Again, that climb sorts a lot of the girls out. Um, last year we saw the race pretty much blown to pieces in the first first couple of laps, so it gets survival of the fittest, I guess you would say. Our team, yeah, so Specialised Women's Racing, got quite a few few options in terms of we've got a really strong roster this year so it'll be exciting to see how the race unfolds and again whoever's there on the last couple of laps I think will we'll decide how the race is approached. Our race is a little different to the men's in terms of we have the under 23 race in conjunction with the with the elite women so that really opens it up. Um, we've got Annalisa Hull who's going to be representing us in the, the under 23s and she's obviously climbed really well, she TTs well, she's a really strong rider. So it'll be interesting to see how we how we're able to target both the elite and the under twenty threes at the same time. I think a few a few teams will have that challenge, but look, I think it'll be exciting. Again, you know, Peter's going to be a strong presence, um, as is there will be quite a few other individual riders. I think that'll really want to want to put that jersey on their shoulders. And uh, Neil spoke about hearing whispers from Melbourne. Who are the who are the whispers about on the women's scene? Oh, you know, there's always whispers coming from the from I guess who's been up in Bright recently. That's always a good indication of who's travelling well. And you know, the whispers are that Peter's in pretty good form. And you know, we've got the likes of Joe Hogan back from overseas, and she she always travels well. You know, she goes uphill very well. She's she's definitely built for the nationals course. So you know, she'll be racing with Total Rush this year, as are the usual the usual contenders. Um, I think. Yeah, it's it's hard. Everybody sort of keeps to themselves. I think no one really tries to let on too much. I think most of the time we see come Baycrits who's who's fit, um, and that normally gives us a better indication rather than pre-Christmas. That's for sure. I suppose that local teams. Who who do you see um, bringing the challenge to Orica? Do you think that the High Five team could maybe pose a threat? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't. I'm not sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not sure whether High Fives roster has been announced for next season yet. Um, uh, so no, but I can tell you they've got Ainsley Backer and Lucy Kennedy. Ah, oh, there you go. So I was about to say QAS, but clearly that's going to be now High Five. Um, yeah, I think they'll they'll definitely have a point to prove. Um, you know, High Five have always had a strong presence within within the NRS, and the fact that they've picked up two of the stronger up-and-coming riders, I think they'll be a force to be reckoned with. They've definitely got the sport on and off the road. So, yeah, we'll see how they go. I think Lucy Kennedy's obviously shown that she can climb really well. It's, I guess, the back half of that course that's really going to decide, you know, who is who is the best on the day. Like, yes, if you can go uphill, that's obviously a huge advantage. But, you know, that back half is quite technical and quite fast and you need to be able to, to back yourself through that through that downhill um, and then coming into the finish. So, yeah, look, I think it'll be quite an open race. It's always hard to predict. You can sit here now and pick names off a list. But I think at the end of the day, um, yeah, the weather, the, the team dynamics, everything comes into play. That will about wrap it up for the Nationals, I think, and we'll come back with a preview of the Mitchelton Bay Criteriums. Okay, and we're back to take a look at the Mitchelton Bay Cycling Criteriums. Kate, can you give us your perspective on them? Uh, yeah, Bakerits, I guess uh, it's... Um, again, another really high-profile event. You know, you've got some really big names that are represented um, within the female 
female peloton in terms of race preparation it's definitely giving you the top end top end speed um, and race craft that you need carrying internationals and it's only a few days separating the two events typically you don't really see people that are targeting the TT at nationals generally don't do bay crits or if they do they just pick one or two whereas anyone that's planning to do well at the national crit champs you see them pretty pretty aggressive. You know, last year we saw Peter Marlins get, I'm pretty sure it was the Port Arlington stage that she got away on and she won. And then, look, you know, two weeks later or a week later, there she was on top step at Nationals. So it gives you an idea of, yeah, who's travelling well. Everybody races Bakerits differently with a different agenda, uh, whether it's to be to be seen from a, from a sponsor's perspective or actually going for those wins. Again, with the women, it's always a fight of who's the fittest, generally speaking, who can hang in there till the end. And go with the heat because it's so warm. So I think there's a lot to be gained from racing bay crits pre-nationals, but at the same time, it's depending on the discipline that you're targeting. I think. Yeah, I like the stories that come out of the bay crits. They're always um, with half an eye towards nationals. So you're looking at people and saying, "Oh yeah, they're going okay. They're looking pretty good." But then you hear stories like I remember Greg Henderson last year was talking about his lead out and the numbers he was putting out and running alongside somebody like Caleb Buen. And it just made for an interesting interesting story that you don't get in maybe some of the more high-pressure races later in the season. And you also get that mix of world tour and local riders, and it's it's just a bit more interesting than some of the other high-profile races where you see the, see the same riders, hear the same sound bites over and over again. And that will do it for our first episode. It's been a good one, I think, or hopefully at least. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Breakdown Podcast on Facebook or at Breakdown Pod on Twitter. You can ask us questions via hashtag AskBreakdown. Or if you see any of us out at the race, just say good day. With us has been Kate Perry. Say, good, say goodbye, Kate. Goodbye, everybody. And uh, have a safe and happy Christmas. And we'll see you, uh, yeah, in the new year by the sound of things. Hello and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's a Merry Christmas for me and have a good New Year. That's wrapping it up for the first edition of the Australian Racing Podcast from The Breakdown. See ya. See you later.